The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up? It is the Hoop Bowl Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus, your lovely host. Hope you're having a fantastic day or evening. Whenever you are listening to this, the Clippers are 1-0 and after a win against the Los Angeles Lakers. A very convincing victory. It didn't look great to start it, but the Clippers kicked it into gear in the second quarter and just looked really good throughout the ballgame offensively and defensively, in particular defensively, shutting down LeBron James and Anthony Davis in that second half. Kawhi Leonard, boy, he's as advertised. He is really, really good. I did not think he was that good. I mean, there are good players. There are great players in the NBA. There are guys that you can't stop. But Kawhi Leonard, he gets to his spot, and he makes the most difficult shots look easy. He's going to be really fun to watch this entire season. This is a Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company broadcast. This podcast, like all of our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianisles.com on Amazon Bus, searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee or on Twitter at High Kona Coffee. And also don't forget that mybookie.ag, boy, check them out and sign up using the code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, is the actual code there, and my bookie will match your final deposit up to 1000 bucks. You can follow the Twitter, or you can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Clips. You can follow me on Twitter, at BDMarcus. And I think that pretty much gets everything out of the way. Today's show, I'm excited about this one. Someone I have not talked to yet, Chris Merch of Clips Nation. You've heard of Robert Flom, Rich Homie Flom is where you find that guy on Twitter. We had him already this season, a very fun chat with him earlier this year. But Chris is another guy from Clips Nation that knows his stuff. Looking forward to having him on as we discuss that Clippers win over the Lakers, what we thought was the most impressive part of the, about, the, about the win over the Lakers, and frankly, what maybe looked I don't know. What's the negative word to say that I really don't want to sound negative? What's the weakness for the Los Angeles Clippers at this given moment? Hoopball, by the way, full season membership called Game Time Premium. It's for sale now. Get access to six live video Q&A shows every week where Hoopball's best analysts answer questions specific to your team. Enjoy premium articles and tools like a streaming grid, a weekly schedule, projections, dynasty info, betting, and DFS selections, and more. Head to hoopball hoop-ball.com.com. Boy, if you knew how to actually talk, it's hoop-ball.com and click on the premium tab on the top navigation bar and make sure to use the coupon code DOC, D-O-C, when you're checking out to save $3.50. All right, so without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Chris Merch. All right, so to talk about yesterday's game, a tremendous opening victory for the Los Angeles Clippers over the Lakers, bringing in Chris Merch. You can follow him on Twitter at Nigel Roxbury. Cannot be more confusing, by the way, Chris, that your handle is at Nigel Roxbury and your name is Chris Merch. I just want you to know that. It is. It is a little confusing. Make music under the name Nigel Roxbury. Uh, yeah, hence that, that uh, at right there. Writes for Clips Nation. You can follow them at Clips Nation SBN. And let's talk about yesterday's game because it was something that was very anticipated. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard, first game with the Los Angeles Clippers. 
And boy, he looked really, really good. I want to start with the beginning of the game, though, because I was a little confused with the starting lineup. I was anticipating Jermichael Green starting. He did not end up starting, which was obviously something that I think everyone expected. But Doc threw a little bit of a curveball um, in the starting lineup. Is it something that you anticipated or were you caught off guard with like, like the rest of us? Not at all. Um, I actually saw it on Twitter from uh, Yovan Bua. Shout out to him um, from The Athletic. And I had an audible what. I literally said what to my phone. I was, I was confused. Um, but I mean, you know, kind of in reading about this whole sliding lineup, starting lineup um, that Doc is going to institute at least to start the season, I guess it shouldn't have been too surprising. And um, PPAD actually had a pretty good preseason. Um, so I guess we shouldn't have been too surprised, uh, but yeah, I still anticipated Jamichael Green to be there. Yeah, Patterson looked really out of sorts to start that game, and frankly, in the first couple minutes, I'll be honest with you, I was really worried. I was talking um, in the last podcast with with my buddy from LA Clippers Film, and we were discussing the rebounding battle, and that the Clippers have really struggled in the boards in the preseason, so I thought, okay, this could be an issue. You're going up against Anthony Davis, you're going up against LeBron. And then the first couple minutes, look at the Lakers had way more energy. The Clippers just came out flat. They could not get a bucket. Their offense looked horrible. And I was really concerned. And obviously, it's very early in the game. I shouldn't have been concerned there, 48 minutes in a basketball game. Mm -hmm. Were you concerned at all? Um, I was a tad scared. Yeah, when we went down double digits really early, I, you know, I, the, the game had a feeling. It, it seems like it was pretty 50-50 in the crowd. But I think, you know, giving the Lakers that early momentum with LeBron, with AD in his first game there, uh, yeah, I was scared. And we didn't shoot very well in the preseason either, and that seemed to translate early on. Um, so, yeah, I was a little afraid that, you know, it could have been a, another rusty shooting night and that the offense, um, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't get going, especially since um, Patterson to start looked a little off and then Zoo. Um, looked a little off to start as well. And you know what was interesting is Doc really treated this kind of like a playoff game where he wasted no time in going to his bench. I mean, he brought in Lou and Trez way earlier than we would have thought that they would come in, and they made immediate impact, which obviously is to no surprise to anybody that watched the Clippers last mm -hmm. year. Those two have incredible chemistry together. But very surprising, at least for me, that those two came in so early. And I thought Doc did the right thing because that game really could have gotten out of hand the way the energy was all in the favor of the Lakers and just momentum was clearly on the Lakers side. Yeah, Doc had to do something. And the bench has always been the spark plug. And of course, with, with Lou and Trez in the pick and roll, I mean, offensively, they just couldn't get anything going. So having that, you know, kind of dynamic threat that the pick and roll is with Lou and Trez obviously just immediately sparks them um, in the offense as well. So that was, you know, really smart of Doc to see that quickly, not be, um, you know, rigid in, in, you know, letting his starting lineup kind of figure it out and get that energy going. Now you wonder what's Doc going to do next game with his starting lineup? Because obviously you mentioned the sliding starting lineup. He said the only constants are going to be PG and Kawhi, and we really don't know what else is going to happen. I mean, Zoo barely played in that ball game, and it's funny because Zoo is the only one that's tall enough to go up against Anthony Davis, yet Doc chose not to use him very much. So it was just a very strange game yesterday, and frankly, to get the win in a game like that where I don't think they looked very good in the first half, and where PG was on the sidelines, 
Magruder was on the sidelines. Obviously, the Lakers were missing Kuzma. They were missing Rondo. So they had a couple pieces missing as well. But clearly, the Clippers, with that PG card, missing the better player. I think to get that win shows a lot about this Clippers team and that they, frankly, are going to be very tough every single night because, obviously, you have Kawhi. But then you have Lou. You have Trez, mm-hmm. you have Jermichael Green with the ability to spread the floor. I mean, he took a ton of threes last night, which tells you what the Clippers want to do. And then you add in guys that are going to contribute like Harkless. And then when PG comes back, I thought it was a very encouraging win for the Clippers, despite a very poor first half. What, what's your main take out of that game? That it's incredibly encouraging. Um, the None of the starters besides Kawhi got in double figures. We know that this bench from last year is already historic, and it's only gotten better with the addition, you know, when Magruder comes, but then also, you know, with Green just having another year of chemistry kind of with that second unit. I remember writing a piece a few weeks ago on how Jamichael Green would truly be an X factor for this team based on the fact that on offense, he doesn't need the ball in his hands to really be effective. We saw that he hit four threes, shot 50% from three, and, you know, really and crushed it defensively as well. Um, so, I mean, his fit there was was awesome. And, uh, you know, you see so many tweets now about how they're about to add, you know, a top three MVP vote guy from last year and Paul George to this already amazingly, um, you know, fantastic defensive team. And then also, you know, with that offense in the second half kind of humming, it, it was a it was a total team effort with everyone buying in. And um, the second unit obviously killing it. And then Kawhi coming in and doing superstar things in the second quarter um, and, you know, kind of on from there. So it was incredibly encouraging. Um, and I, I mean, this is a season where every game is must, must watch TV. And, uh, yeah, I'll be there for, for hopefully all 82. Curious what you thought was the most impressive part of the win last night. I think it was the second half defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think – uh, you know, in the second quarter, you could kind of see how obviously the bench sparked a little bit in the first half and then the offense got humming in the, the second. But I was really, really impressed with how obviously they kind of shut down AD and LeBron, especially a guy like Mo Harkless, who um, I put up a tweet last night saying, you know, we, we the Clippers got Mo Harkless and a first round pick that eventually helped us get Kawhi and Paul George for literally nothing. His defense last night was spectacular. He was able to hit a couple shots. Um, so, yeah, really the, the perimeter defense was, was awesome. And really uh, another, probably the second most impressive aspect was just how well coached, um, how better coached the, the Clippers were than the Lakers, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc, I think, truly ran circles around Frank Vogel and his staff and his ability to get them out of their game uh, in the second half specifically their stars in uh, Davis and LeBron. Yeah, I mean, they did a tremendous job, obviously, on those two. And I, I just don't understand how anything Davis and LeBron can just disappear like that. It, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. When you have Anthony Davis and the size that he has against the Clippers team, it's a case of, I don't think, Vogel doing enough. And I think it's Doc doing a really good job as well, noticing where Anthony Davis is getting the ball and where he wants Anthony Davis to get the ball and just continuing to do it and making them make the adjustments, and they didn't. So it, it definitely mm-hmm. is impressive for the Clippers to hold AD and LeBron to, to the minimal offensive output that they had in the second half. But like you said, also, I think Vogel needs to make some changes. But there is the main issue 
for the Lakers. Apart from the fact that they only really have Anthony Davis and LeBron, I'm not going to buy in as Kuzma as the number three guy because I don't think he deserves that quite yet. I think no, the, the co- not yet, the, not yet. Like you said, the coaching difference is just so large. I just don't see Vogel out coaching Rivers in a playoff series. It's definitely not. Um, and I, I, I think that while the Lakers are 0 for 1 right now, um, Jason Kidd is, is mm-hmm. 1 and 0. Mm-hmm. Um, that was it, it, Frank Vogel, like I said, Doc coached circles around him. And you could tell that the Lakers, um, at least in their, their point guard identity, is severely lacking right now. I think that um, the way Doc was able to kind of have LeBron start from the top of the key and then force him to, to drive. He also doesn't seem very comfortable shooting it right now, but a guy like Rajon Rondo in that game would have made a difference because he would have told everyone, hey, get out of the way. We're throwing it to AD. He has a mismatch every time. And that's what they were doing in the first quarter that uh, I was, you know, kind of shaking my head. I was like, oh, God, we're about to have another one of those AD, you know, 40 and 15 nights against the, you know, bad kind of Clippers. Not bad, but they're the undersized Clippers. Um, bigs but yeah in the second half they they totally went away from from any sort of kind of ad mismatch Um, they went away from the high pick and roll with ad and lebron which they didn't really do at all which was a a kind of another surprising coaching move and they really just had this iso ball that you know maybe doc forced them into but also the clippers defense was was reading and reacting to uh really well the one thing about this clippers team and it really goes back to last year is they don't give up and they don't care if you go on a run against them. They just don't care if they go down. They don't care if you catch up to them. Once Danny Green got on fire in that second half and he just could not stop missing his threes, it was unbelievable that the Clippers just, they didn't lay over. They didn't continue to just let him shoot those threes. They went on a run after the game, I believe, was tied. And it's something about mm-hmm. this team that's just special. And you already saw it in the first game of the season how this team just does not care about anything going on except for themselves, which I really think is an impressive trait that you don't see very often in other teams. Absolutely. And it's so anti-LA to be like that. You know, you have Showtime uh, with the Lakers in the 80s and, you know, Lob City of the, of the last era of the Clippers. But this is truly, uh, you know, to borrow from the Grizzlies, a grit and grind team. And that identity was forged, you know, even not even in 2018, 2019 and 2017 and 2018, while Beverly was hurt, you guys, I mean, you had guys like Harold and Lou Williams who were traded and, and underdogs and that underdog mentality led them to, you know, a winning record at 42 and 40. But then last year, you know, this team was not star laden by any means. Yes, they had Gallo, yes, they had Tobias Harris and then Lou, obviously. But, you know, for that team to win 48 games in the, the really hard West last year, and then for that kind of identity to carry over, that's why people like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were perfect fits to come to this team because they're about their business. They can score, but they also are are borderline even better defenders than they are on offense. So, I mean, it's, you know, the, the identity that has kind of been built with the Clippers um, and, yeah, kind of this no Fs given attitude and kind of this grit and grind, put our head down, lunch pail, we're going to, you know, take it to you for uh, 48 minutes is, is just so awesome to watch and so fun. Yeah, I, I talked to you. Obviously, I asked you what you thought were the biggest uh, pluses from that game. And, and I'm curious to get your take on what I think. I, obviously, the defense is very impressive, and it was great to see what they did in the second half. Number two, or at least my number one, is 
Kawhi is damn good. I, I don't think I realized how good Kawhi yeah. Leonard is, but that guy is incredible. I mean, that stretch he went through where he could not miss a shot in the second quarter, mm-hmm. it, he's just tremendous. I didn't yeah. realize how good he is. I think we have always taken Kawhi Leonard for granted. Um, you know, part of that being small market in San Antonio, him being behind guys like, you know, not behind, but, you know, with guys like Tony Parker, Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. Last year, we obviously really got to see it in the playoffs, um, just how he can take over a game. His mid-range is unbelievable. I, I, the, the shots that he was hitting, the difficulty of those shots is, is 10 out of 10. Your hands in your face against LeBron, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, KCP even. Uh, these are shots that you know, normal, normal humans, not even normal players, not even good players hit, like elite players. So the way he was able to kind of, you know, I know he started slow, but the, the way he was able to knock down a shot, okay, now he's in rhythm. Okay, now he's got the mid-range going, and then he kind of could open it up a little bit. And I was also impressed with, we didn't get to see it too much, but he made a few passes out of drives Mm -hmm. that set up open shots. That was awesome to see because he's the star. He's going to get hounded whenever he drives into the paint. And he's strong enough to finish through contact, but his ability to find the open man when they double um, in the paint is going to be imperative this season. And he showed um, a few times that he was able to do that. So that was super impressive, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Justin Wilson about that, and he was just mentioning how good of a passer it really seems that Kawhi has developed into, and that was one of the last things that he needed to do to become that A++++ player was his passing, and his vision is just so good. And that goes with my next point, and that the spacing of the Clippers was really good at very different times in that ball game. And what's interesting is, we're used to seeing Lou having to create and him having defenders all over him and him having to create the space himself. But there were numerous times in that game where he was getting the basketball and he was either open for a shot or he had to take one or two dribbles and he was open. And what's interesting is between Lou, PG, and Kawhi, those three guys, then you bring in guys like Jermichael Green that can help spread the floor as well. I'm not sure how you guard this team offensively because they are going to be able to spread the floor so well that I don't know what teams are going to do. They're going 82 and out. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's they're They're going to be incredibly, incredibly difficult to defend because like you said, you have guys like Jamichael on the wing. I mean, who's a four, but it is a flamethrower mm-hmm. from outside. And then, um, you know, obviously not fail. We can't fail to mention um, Landry Shamit, who is, you know, easily one of the better shooters in the league statistically as he was last year. But I mean, this year, I think he is going to be so wide open for shots. It's going to be, it's going to be absurd with, with PG Lou and Kawhi all being able to drive and dish and get these open shots for these shooters. This offense is going to be, you know, really fun to watch and it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. I'm like borderline speechless on just how wide open some of these shooters are going to be. Yeah, and they are going to get the chance to hit those wide open shots. And Shaman, I was a little disappointed in what he did yesterday. I don't think he was great to start that game. I thought maybe he was a little overwhelmed by the moment. Um, And that's fair for someone that's so young. Uh, He did hit that big three, obviously, when they started to go on a run. He was wide open. He hit it. Uh, His development, I think, Mm -hmm. will be one of the things that will be worth watching through this entire season. And it will help when PG comes back because I think Shamit will perform a little bit better in that second unit and be able to handle the ball a little bit more than he does with the starters. Uh, But I definitely Mm -hmm. think he will be a key for them to have success because if you can get Shamit going 
and you put them with everybody else that's already on the floor, your team's going to be really deep. And obviously in the playoffs, your bench is not as deep as it is during the regular season. And that's why it'll be interesting to see what the Clippers decide to do and what rotation they end up going with. But I would mm-hmm. tend to think that Shamit's a guy that is going to end up cracking one of the main rotations for Doc Rivers. Do you think that's the case as well? Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I understand the uh, – he, he didn't play his best game yesterday. That's, that's fair. The, the kind of playoff environment was, was you know, awesome to, to see as a viewer, mm-hmm. but also the, the playoff lineup that, that Doc had, that Doc instituted. He only played nine players. And he played his best players. He didn't let Jerome kind of, you know, go out there for a few minutes, shoot a few shots. It was it was very much kind of locked down um, lineup wise. And you know, Shamit still went two for four from three. You know, that looks good on paper at fifty percent. He did seem a little bit out of sorts. I was actually pretty impressed with his on ball defense. I think that he has a ways to go as far as kind of knowing positioning a little bit, but he is giving max effort on that on that end. And as long as he's developing defensively, I think the offense. Will, will come, and you're right about him being in the second unit. I think that him and Lou are going to be kind of tandem ball handlers and tandem shooters um, in that second unit. And, yeah, like I said before, he is going to get uh, so many open shots throughout the year. Biggest concern from last night is? Um, it, it's got to be Zubats. Um, mm-hmm. It's – I have – kind of problems I, I i have a huge soft spot for him you know just because a we got him in that now legendary trade for essentially nothing i guess might be scala but whatever um, but he 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 still seems out of sorts um in a bigger matchups but b matchups against elite centers and also like small smaller teams that run i mean if you put those three together those are most of the teams in the nba on paper yes he had eight points on four for four shooting but i mean yeah he, he only played 10 minutes his my my biggest concern with him is his strength i know he added i think it was 20 20 or 25 pounds maybe 15 but his base he gets knocked like kind of around in the paint and it's it's kind of barbecue chicken for these other bigs um so that is definitely concerning for me i was very pro getting someone like joe kim noah um this off season for for you know kind of just a, a backup center who is doesn't like take any bull and also is strong enough in the paint to guard for, you know, five to seven minutes. Um, so yeah, if I had to, sorry for rambling, but yeah, Zubats I think was, um, you know, kind of the key concern for me last night. No, not a ramble at all. It's all true. Uh, and the one thing that's interesting with Zoo is like we said earlier, he's really your only seven footer. So what are you going to do? And I think Noah's name has now been brought up, I think in the last three or four podcasts that I've done. And it's worth, it's worth noting because I was talking to Justin and we were discussing about how the Clippers don't have many bigs. And when you go up against the Lakers in the playoffs, you're not going to be able to get away with it every single night. And you really do need to get another big in there. And I think that Lawrence Frank and company know that they need another big. And it'll be interesting to see how long they wait to add that big. Will it be in the first month or two? Will they wait until guys get released? later on in January or February, Mm -hmm. and they get added. That'll be interesting to see. Will they make a trade? Justin thought that maybe you could possibly float out if it gets to this point. It's a crazy idea, but something that's worth bringing up. 
Possibly you trade Trez at some point who's not as big. I don't think that'll happen, but the question is, are you going to... Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> are, you willing, are you willing to pay Trez down the line, which you may not, because he's going to command, obviously, a big contract. You just looked at that contract that Jalen Brown right. got. I mean, Trez is a better player than Jalen Brown, and despite the fact that Trez mm-hmm. is three years older, I still believe that Trez is better than Jalen Brown. There's a lot that Jalen can do, but nonetheless you wonder at what point do they add size because they're going to have to do it at some point you have to. Yeah. Uh, I think last night was, was pretty evident because that is a playoff matchup right there in a playoff environment. And zoo got run off the floor in the last playoff matchup. I mean, dude started, I believe the first two or three games and then didn't see the floor uh, for games like four through six or something like that. But um, yeah, you know, the, the Clippers were a little bit in a bind this summer, I think, with Zoo. I think they can see down the road where he could develop, but they're in win-now mode. And giving him the contract that they did um, was a little surprising and maybe a little expensive for what he brings to the table this year. Um, so I'm, I'm very pro hitting the buyout market or, or maybe a little trade um, because, yeah, if – if, if there's bully ball in the paint against any of these strong Western conference centers, like a, you know, even a Rudy Gobert, who's not even that great offensively, but will um, kind of, you know, could overpower someone like zoo in, in the post it, down the line, it's, it's definitely going to be needed. And I have full faith in this front office to do the exact right decision because they've given me no reason not to put 100% belief in them. Oh, they've been tremendous. And you got to think at some yeah. point, they're going to use Zoo, obviously, a ton against these Eastern Conference teams. I mean, apart from Embiid, there's really no one that scares you big time in that Eastern Conference. I'm obviously not looking at every single team right now. But just off the top of my head, I mean, there aren't a ton of teams in the East that scare you. So he's going to get a ton of minutes eventually um, when they play against those Eastern Conference teams and then against the bottom feeders in the Western Conference that aren't as good. I mean, I think going up against Carl Anthony Towns will be very difficult for him. And I'll be curious to see what the Clippers mm-hmm. do against a team like Minnesota. But nonetheless, it, it definitely will be worth watching. All right, so we've recapped the game, Clippers-Lakers. We, we've offered some of our takes. Now I'm curious, you're living in New York right now. How in the world did you get involved yep. with Clips Nation? Uh, so I was actually born and raised in Santa Monica. Um, so going back to yeah, kind of like how I became a Clipper fan, I lived in uh, Santa Monica until um, I was 11, actually, and then I moved to Austin, Texas. But growing up, my whole family is actually Lakers fans. And I remember my first like kind of memory of shifting my focus from the Lakers to the Clippers as I was four years old. I was um, eating in my kitchen, watching like a little TV, I guess 1999 or 2000 and seeing the Lakers. And I was just like, you know what? I, I don't like them. I, I think I'm always kind of a contrarian at heart. So I, uh, you know, had no allegiances at that time. Clippers were the other team in town. And, you know, since kind of four or five years old, um, been a big fan. And it also definitely helped that, uh, tickets back in the day were about $4. Um, so, you know, that was, that was nice for going to games during kind of the, the Donald Sterling era and Corey McGetty era and, and uh, Elton Brand. Um, but then as far as my involvement with Clips Nation um, and, and starting to write for them, I was a sports media major in college. Hmm. And I didn't do too much writing in college, which I now, um, you know, definitely regret. But I started writing um, pretty much out of college for uh, a few online blogs, kind of working my way up. And I started writing um, for this one blog called um, NBA Analysis Net. And I would, um, I was assigned, I wasn't assigned, I picked the Clippers 
to write for. And, and I would take some of my notes from some of those writings and put them on the fan posts uh, in, on SB Nation, on Clips Nation. And uh, Robert Flom, um, the managing editor of Clips Nation, reached out and just said, hey, man, uh, this was last September. He said, hey, you know, we'd love to you know, have you on board as a staff writer. And ever since then, I've been, uh, been pretty full bore in, in writing um, you know, about the Clippers. Yeah, Robert, a friend of the podcast. We've had him on once before. Um, glad to get these Clips Nation guys in here. I'm glad that you were able to, uh, to join us. Uh, any more final takes before you go away? Anything you need to get off your chest about last night's game or this upcoming season? I have a quick question for you. I don't know if you have the schedule in front of you, and I was yeah. actually going to tweet this out tomorrow, but I figured I'd ask. When do you think Kawhi's first load management game will be? It's a good question. I've actually looked at the schedule in terms of the back-to-backs and uh, what's going to end up being the issues. I don't think that he's going to sit out the first back-to-back because PG won't be back. Um, that's the 30th and right. 31st. And I, one of those games is against San Antonio. The other one's against Utah. And I think there's an importance with those two games. So I, I would be surprised if he sits out that game. But that being said, I, I don't know if he plays – because the 6th and 7th are at home. The only issue with that 30th and 31st is that you have an away and then you have a home game. It's mm-hmm. tough. It's really tough. But I would guess his first one's going to come against New Orleans on the 14th. And that is a Houston, then New Orleans. Um, it's both road games. And I think PG hopefully will be back by then. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think that'll be one of PG's first game. And that was kind of one that I was circling as well, given, um, kind of the intensity that I know the Rockets will bring and in, in trying to win that game. And, um, you know, definitely the Clippers as well. Um, I was actually, I, I don't, maybe it's just, again, like my contrarian views, I feel like he might take, it, it's too early, I think, but he might take off the Hornets game on, uh, when is it? I, my wife, the 28th, down now, but the, yeah, the, the 28th. Hornets, it's like, yeah, it's in a few days. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope not just because I want them to just blow them out and, you know, move on. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, Kawhi is such an enigma because he has said that he doesn't really want to, I think, do the same sort of load management that he did last year, being that he's 100% healthy. But I think it's also very smart for him to kind of be capped at like 67 games. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how many plays. I think if you have to set the over-under at 70, I think it's going to be very close to that because I really do buy into the fact that he's not going to be load managed as much as last year. I really do buy into that. And I think part of that's going to do be, be part and due to Paul George and that he's going to be the one that needs to be load managed more than Kawhi. And I also think that they're right. they're really using their kid gloves here with PG. I think that if he desperately needed to play tonight for a playoff game, he would, but they're going to be as careful as possible with him. As they should. Um, yeah. PG will be so important to this franchise this year and then moving forward. And I, I want him to be 1 million percent healthy because when he is at his best, he is a top five, five to seven player in this league as evidenced by by last year and he was injured in the playoffs. So it was a little bit different, but during the regular season last year, my God, he was, he was amazing. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Chris, go ahead, promote yourself. Where can everybody find you? Twitter, Instagram, your work, where can everybody read you? Uh, yeah. So Brandon hates my, my Twitter username, but it's at Nigel Roxbury, R O X B U R Y. I make music under that name. So a little plug, check me out on Spotify, wherever you can stream music. And then, yeah, um, you can, 
find me at clipsnation.com, um, the Clippers SB Nation fan site. Uh, I usually post two to three times a week there, try to at least. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for this season and to, uh, you know, jot some, jot some notes, jot some pieces on, uh, on this very exciting team. Chris, this was fun. I hope you join us again on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Well, one more podcast and another Clippers guest that we can add to this contact list that we continue to build and build and build and will continue to build throughout the entire season. It's going to be a tremendous season. No doubt about that. If that first game was any indication, boy, we are in for a heck of 82 plus because the Clippers are going to go to the playoffs. They're going to make noise and everyone is starting to pick the Clippers to win the title, which terrifies me. But based on last night's game, I would not pick against this Clippers team. Go ahead, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. Actually, you can't really follow us on Instagram, but follow me on Instagram if you want. At BDMarcus2 is the Instagram handle. At BDMarcus is the Twitter handle. At HoopBallClips is the handle for the HoopBall Clippers podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Go ahead, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It would be greatly appreciated. Leave a review as well. It does help the podcast as we try to get bigger and bigger as the season goes on. We'll be back during the weekend. Talk about that game against the Warriors, which should be a very fun contest as they open up that arena against Steph Curry. Until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long, and we'll talk to you next time, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.